Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, it's time for you to be honest here this morning. How many of you had at least half of a bad day one day this last week? All right. Maybe you had a whole bad day, right? Sometimes we put together strings of bad days. Sometimes when we look back at our life, we say whole months, whole years, sometimes felt like bad months, bad years. And, uh, and so sometimes we struggle with, you know, how, what do we do about those things? When we find ourselves in difficult situations in life, how do we respond? And what I've noticed over the years is that when I, oftentimes how I respond to things seems to not make it better, but make it worse. In other words, sometimes I, I try to res, uh, respond to life difficulties in a way and it ends up working against me instead of for me. I, you know, that's not any fun. And then sometimes in the middle of all this, you know, you say, well, you know, where is God in all of this mess? Where is he? What's up? And it isn't like we're saying God isn't, you know, here, he isn't real, isn't like that, but it's just like, where, where is he? I kind of feel a little lost here. And then like last week when I talked to you guys about sharing the gospel, being very conscious and aware and, and on purpose, being ready to share the gospel, when your life feels like it's in shambles, it's not usually when you are feeling real confident about sharing your faith, right? Because you feel like, well, what do I have to say? I can't, you know? And so what I want to do is, is uh, look at the word of God today, one of the Psalms, and this is another reason, you know, I love the Psalms. Uh, but this, uh, Psalm, then we're going to see how do we navigate the difficulties of life in a way that uh, works for us, not against us, in a way that we have a conscious awareness of God in, through it all, and where we actually begin to experience life that makes us more motivated to want to share our faith and do that. So we're going to find those things in God's Word here today. So let's go to Psalm 4. Psalm number four, page 618 in the Bible that's in the views there. Is that 13, 18? Yeah, 618. Now, you know, most of the Psalms have specific kind of backgrounds to them, a context in which they're written. Sometimes they were just written as songs of worship or prayers, uh, but often they have real life circumstances that go along with it. And that seems to be the case here. Uh, King David, as he's, he's on the throne, he's trying to rule the kingdom for the Lord. There were times when he had opposition and rebellion against him. One of those times was his own son, Absalom. Long story. And so we don't know specifically which of those times it was, but David is writing out of in a time of difficulty, a time of trial for him, a time when there is opposition to him, doing what God has called him to do. So let's read the psalm, and then we'll work our way through it. David says here, Hear me when I call, talking to God. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And then the, the challenge here, that he, you know, he speaks to the challenge he's facing. He says, How long, 
O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? And then there's the term there, sort of a musical or, or worship note there, sila, which means pause and reflect on that. Say, God, I'm coming to you. You, my God of my righteousness, you've, you've heard my prayer before, hear me now. These people who are rebelling, you know, and he says to them, how long are you going to do this? How long are you going to live this way? Then he continues, verse 3. But no, and I think he's saying this to these people, but he's saying it to himself as well. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. I think he's talking to himself here. Be angry, David. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And then again, pause and reflect on this. Verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. And then he kind of returns to the problems and he says, There are many who say, who will show us any good? Not this King David. Who's going to do good for us? And then David says, here's the deal. He says, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Father, please give us understanding that we need. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us um, directly from your word and then personally into our lives in the ways that we need to hear from you today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's go back and, and walk our way through this thinking about how do we navigate the difficulties of life? How does this work? What can we do? And so he starts off when he says, hear me when I call. Right in the very beginning, he's, he's doing what? He's saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. I got these problems. I'm coming to you. So the first thing you want to do is this. Go to God with every need. Okay? Go to God with the big needs, right? Yeah, but no, go to God with what? All of your needs. Any need that you have, anything that comes up in your life. And maybe you look and say, I guess that really isn't a need, fine. But if, if you aren't certain, ask the Lord about it anyway, right? He knows what you need. And in fact, the Bible tells us he knows what we need before we come. But he still tells us to come to him. Go to God with every need. And so we call on him first. We call on him first before anything else. I, I don't know about you, the, the tendency is a problem comes and I get all worked up about it. Anybody besides me ever get worked up over your problems? I get all worked up. And I might on the outside look like I'm not. But on the inside I am. I'm all worked up over this. And I start trying to think, what's the solution? How did this? And this isn't right. Did this happen? And this, and all this kind of stuff. Ooh, the engine's going fast. Right? And then I, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, well, all right, Lord. And, and I finally get around talking to God. Wouldn't it have been much smarter if I just kind of started in the beginning? I can get all worked up, but Lord, 
right? Go to God. In fact, let me say this. Sometimes when you are most caught off guard and the difficulties of life hit you and you are surprised, don't just pray first, pray fast. Do you remember Peter? Jesus walks on the water of the boat and Peter says, if it's really you, let, you know, tell me to come out in the water. And Jesus says, okay, come on out. Peter gets out and walks on the water, which is a crazy thing. He says that then he saw the winds and the waves and he got scared and he started to sink. And here's what Peter did not say. Peter did not say, oh God, my most graciously heavenly father, the one who made heaven and earth. And no, he said, Lord, save me. That's what he said. He prayed fast. Okay. And so I think if we can combine this idea, pray first, pray fast. In other words, just don't wait. Go to God first, and then you'll go to God again and again. That's fine. But go to God with every need. Now, he says here, whoops, excuse me there. I'm tripping on my own feed here. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. What's that about? Well, the reality here is what we want to see is that God has opened the door wide. When you, I want you to go back down memory lane in your mind here. When you were a kid, did anybody ever have periods of time when you gave your parents fits? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or you just were pushing back and not doing it? Okay, this, I'm, good to be honest. How many of you say I did that to my parents on occasion? All right. And the rest of you just don't remember. But here's the deal. You've been doing that. You've been doing that. And you aren't, you know, it's been not been good. It's not been fun. And all of a sudden you realize I need money to do this thing that I want to do. And I got to go ask my parents for money right now. How confident do you feel at that point? This is not a good situation. I don't want to be in this situation, right? And so the realities are still your parents. Well, what? We can feel the same way about God sometimes. Because, once again, the reality is that we live sometimes a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, where, where we aren't really actively pursuing our relationship with God. We ought to be, right? Uh, we're missing out when we don't. But so we haven't been doing that. And maybe there's even some things in our lives that we don't know don't belong. And all of a sudden, a major difficulty comes into life, and we feel like, I can't go to God right now. The way I've been living, I can't, how can I go to him? Well, let me say to you that that is exactly what Satan wants you to believe. And so David starts right here. Hear me, O God, when I call. I'm not perfect. I mess up. But you are the God of my righteousness. And here's the deal. Jesus has opened the way into the presence of God. And it's not because of how well you have lived your life. Do you remember the story? When Jesus dies on the cross, what's going on? Let's look. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that we might actually become righteous. And he's not talking about some future day when you finally get your act together. He's talking about that moment that you receive Christ. God makes you righteous. He, he declares you righteous deep down in the deepest heart of you, what the Bible calls your spirit. You are righteous and perfect and holy and will never be otherwise again. 
Now, are you living that way yet? No. Are you always thinking that way? No, that's why we're works in progress, right? This is what sanctification is about, beginning to live out the truth of what God has already done in our lives. But what I want you to see is when it comes time to turn to the Lord, he's already declared you righteousness, so how wide open is the door? What, what obstacle is there? The only obstacle to you turning to the Lord in your needs is you. That's it. He's always ready. We humble ourselves and go to him. He's always there always ready to respond to us. So he's opened the door wide open. This leads us to what the author of Hebrews said, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So be encouraged about that. I can always go to God with my needs. I can go to God with my needs when I'm doing well in life. And I can go to God with my needs when I haven't been doing so well. I can go to him. Okay, so go to God with every need. And then David says here, you know, he says, you have relieved me in my distress. You've already answered prayers for me before. And now I'm asking you to hear my prayer now. So remember that has God ever worked in your life? Has God ever worked in your life? Do you remember the day he saved you? Remember that day when you came to realize that you were a sinner in need of a savior? And you understood that Jesus died for you on the cross and paid the penalty of your sins and rose again from the dead. And he said, if you believe, if you'll humble yourself and just come to me and say, I, I know this and I need you as a savior. I, I receive you as savior. I trust you. That that moment, he relieved some major distress in your life. So if nothing else, you know this. He has and will answer your prayers. And I, my guess is that if you've been a Christian for any length of time, there are other times when he has relieved your stress, Right? And so this is what David says here. All right, let's continue. Verse two, how long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Let's jump down to verse six. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Okay, so this challenge from people. But then in verse three, but no, that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. And then the last part of verse six, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. So the second thing I want to see is this, that believe that God cares about you and listens to your concerns. Because um, that's what he's saying here. The Lord has done what? Now, who's godly here? He says, how does he say it? The Lord has set apart him who is, for himself, him who is godly. Well, let's just take that back. We were just talking about our ability to go to God. How can I come into God's presence? Because I've been living right? Is that how I get into God's presence? No, I get into God's presence because what? He provided the way. Jesus died for my sins, right? Shed his blood. I am, he's taken care of all. There's nothing between me and him. And he... We became the righteousness of God in him, right? Again, the deepest down part of us and our spirit. He made us righteous forever. And we're learning to live it. But I mean, so who is godly? Me. You, if you know the Lord. We are the godly here. That's what he's talking about. Okay? 
And so what has the Lord done? This is the key. He set you apart for himself. Think about that. That's big. You're important to him. You matter to him. The details, the little things that you might think are little matter to him in your life. He cares for you. Um, I I think of it, it's, it's like... Try to think of someone in your life that you say, wow, this person is extremely famous and, and is an important person because they really, you know, they're doing significant things, really matter and all this. And you meet this person and you talk to them and they, and they say, hey, tell you what, I'm going to give you my cell number so you can contact me directly. What would you, that was something, wouldn't it? I got so-and-so's cell phone number. Well, what's the idea? He said, you're, you matter to me. I want you to know you have direct access. And this is what the Lord has done with us. We matter to him. He's he's given us full and direct access. He cares. You think how uh, Peter says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, he talks about casting all your cares on him. Why? Do you remember the rest of the verse? For he cares for you. And so it's so important. Here you find yourself in the difficulties of life and, and all of Satan's efforts are going to go into telling you that that's not true. That's not true, he's going to tell you. Oh, well, maybe it's true for everybody else, but not for me. No, no, no. God has set you apart for himself because you are special to him. You matter to him. He cares deeply for you. Satan wants you to not believe that. But go with the Lord on this. And what you see is that he will hear my prayer. The Lord will hear when I call to him. I know that he will. Um, By the way, God cares about you way more than any human being. Anybody else? Right? You see this up here, the, this idea. What's it say? These people, why do you say this? Why do you live this way? Why are you doing that? And, and the idea is they're, they're, they're bringing this negativity into David's life. Down in verse 6, they're challenging him. Who will show us any goods? The people are challenging him. And so if you listen to, let me stop for just a moment. If you have good Christian friends who will speak into your life the truth, that is awesome. But I want you to know that there are a lot of voices in our world that are not going to tell you the truth about your relationship with God. They're not going to tell you the truth about you. And they're going to speak to you and, and, and pressure you and try to get you to see things in a way that denies the fact that God cares for you. Have you don't raise your hand on this one. Have you ever felt like that if people really knew me, that they knew the real me, they would reject me. Well, first good news is they don't know the real you. But God knows the real you, doesn't he? And he does not reject you. He has accepted you. And it's, it's in your life and working with you to help you do that. So really, really important. So, so first, we, we want to go to God with every need. And, but that's going to be hard if we aren't believing that he cares. He does care, okay? So we want to remember that. And if we remember that he cares, then you know that you can go to him. Okay, verses four and five. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness 
and put your trust in the Lord. All right, so he's saying very specifically, here's the way that you need to live. And so what you wanna do then is, is learn to live in a way that reinforces your confidence in the Lord. Because even though, you know, I've told you, and the word is true, that we, we do not enter God's presence because of our own goodness, or because we're getting it right, we enter God's presence because of what Jesus did for us, and so we can always go, right? But isn't it still true that it affects how we feel? How we're living does affect how we feel. It affects whether or not we struggle with whether or not we can go. I mean, all those kinds of things. So what we want to do is remove obstacles for being able to just freely go in the Lord. And like I said, when I say remove obstacles, I'm only talking about us and how we see it, not on God's side, okay? So what are these four things? Four things here. Uh, first one, be angry and do not sin, okay? Um, I don't know how often I've succeeded at that. Because <laughs> usually when I get angry, it's, you know, it's because it's about me. Um, but it is possible to get angry and not sin. And, but I think here's what you want to see. is this idea of not sinning. In other words, you get angry, okay, you feel angry. You can talk to God about you feel angry. But when push comes to shove, do what God says. You see that? Be angry, yeah, but don't sin. Instead, do what God says you ought to do. And so here's, this is a, it's a big truth, especially in our day and age, in the spirit of our age. And the first thing is follow God, not your feelings. Follow God, not your feelings. In our culture, largely, we determine, we, our culture determines what's true based on how we feel about it. And that's a problem. That just doesn't work in the long run, okay? But so we as Christians are not to be that. Yes, we have this feeling. We're not denying that we have the feeling. You know, be angry and don't sin. Ang angry kind of takes over. So, but no, no. Follow God, not, not your feelings. Follow God, not your feelings. Be happy and don't sin, <laughs> right? Be excited and don't sin. Feel discouraged, don't sin. All right, so the idea is we need to acknowledge that we have these emotions. And I think that's when he says, be angry. Yeah, you, he gets it. Be angry. You're going to get angry. Things are going to happen. You're going to get angry. Follow God. How do I respond to this anger? What do I do? I need to do what God says about it, which sometimes is get over it. <laughs> sometimes is you're too easily hurt. But other times it might be, yeah, you have been done wrong. Here's what you should do. Don't sin. Don't handle this on your own. Don't go do whatever, you know, just comes naturally to you at that point. That's a problem. So we're talking about this idea of living the way that reinforces your confidence in the Lord. And so if, if your life is controlled largely by how you're feeling all the time, and if you grew up in this culture, that's not surprising. But man, if you live here on this side of this, with your emotions controlling you and you're following those emotions and your life is gonna be in upheaval all the time. You won't experience that peace and rest that the Lord has for you. All right, so follow God, not your feelings. And so what is the point of the emotions then? I mean, didn't God give us emotions? He made us so we're emotional people. I know some of you act like you have no emotions. 
I can do that pretty well, but it's not true. I have emotions, and so do you, whether you act like it or not. Um, emotions and those feelings are intended by God for a couple of different things. One is to be a warning light on your dashboard. You know, when the check engine light goes off in your car, check engine light. So I grew up in an age, and I know I date myself, but I'm sure, Bob, you remember, and Charlie, and, and the rest of you. It used to be that if your light came on on your dashboard and it said engine, you better stop the car, right? Because it's falling apart. Or it's going to shortly. Because there's not any oil in there, whatever. So it used to be like that. A red light came on. Now they have this little yellow light comes on and says, you know, it's check engine. So the first time that I ever had a car and it did that, I thought my car was falling apart. I'm pulling off the road and trying to figure out what's wrong with it, what's going on. It's not overheating. I couldn't figure out anything. And I finally read the book. There's the thought. I read the book. And, you know, it said, oh, here's all these reasons it could be. You know, it's, it's time to change the oil or it's this, that, oh. But what I want to see is this, that when that emotion goes off, anger, boom, comes to the surface. It's intended to be like that warning light. Something's going on. Something has happened here. You need to think about this, and figure out what's going on and why you feel this way, and then do not sin. Do what God says. It's, it's a warning light. And by the way, warning lights can be good. Have you ever had a situation where you just had an uneasy feeling about what was going on and it turned out that you were right? See, these emotions are there for a reason, but we can't let them run our lives. If you let them run your lives, they'll ruin your life. Okay? But so the emotions are legitimate. The other reason God gives us emotion, I think, is to reinforce things. Because the idea is if when I uh, believe God and I trust God and I step out, and I do what he says, and then I get this sense of peace. That's like that peace comes to do what? To reinforce that good choice. You know, when I'm in my relationship with my wife, when I genuinely love her like I'm supposed to, and I respond well, and it's such a, a good feeling, that's designed to reinforce. And when I had done what's really bad and things don't go well, that also reinforces that, nah, don't do that again. Okay? And so our feelings are, are important, but they should not run our lives, okay? We must follow God and not our feelings, all right? The second thing here, he says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And, and the idea of your bed, I think is, we all end up, it's normal for us all to end up in bed at some point every day, Right? Whether it's nighttime when we go to bed or in the middle of the day when we flop down and say, I don't know about this today. Or whatever it is, when we find ourselves there, we need to be connecting with the Lord. All right? So that's the second thing here. Connect with God in your heart daily. Connect with God in your heart daily and relax with Him. Man. You know, sometimes on a Sunday, especially if I'm teaching afterwards and counseling, I get home and I'm, I'm, do I seem pretty chill to you right now? Do I? I'm pretty chill. But I get home and after having, especially if I've been playing in the morning, all those things, right? I get home and I'm like this. I'm and then if I think about somebody or somebody said this to me, somebody said this or whatever. I mean, this isn't on the outside. This is on the inside. But I'm like that. And I need to just sit 
and relax with the Lord. Is it nice to be around someone you can relax with? You know what it's like to be around people that you don't feel like you can relax with? Not that they're bad, just you can't, but you can with the Lord. And that will change so many things for you. This word still, when he says, meditate with your heart on your bed and be still, this word be still means a lot of things there, but it includes these three things. It means to hold your peace. In other words, you know, I'm encouraging you to go to God with all your needs, and that's fine. You go to God with all your needs. But I know how some of you go to God with all, how you talk in general, and you just, you aren't giving God a break. Now, God doesn't need a break, right? But you're not talking about your problem. You tell this and this, and it's going to mean that, and it's going to be this, and God, what about this, and all this, blah, 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 blah. And God says, hang on. It's time to be still. It's time for you to hold your peace. It, it also means to quiet yourself. Okay, okay, all right. <sighs> quiet yourself. And... It means to rest. And so we need to do this every day with God. At some point we need to stop and be with him and connect with him and think about him and, and quiet ourselves and, and rest. See, we're talking about learning to live in a way that's going to enable you to respond confidently to the difficulties of life and your relationship with God. All right, so the third thing is this. Do what the Lord says is right, even when it's hard. Right there, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Now, in, under the law of Moses, there are all sorts of sacrifices, but the sacrifices, there's no, there's no sacrifice in there that's listed as the uh, sacrifice of righteousness. In one sense, we might say all the sacrifices were sacrifices of righteousness, but I think the idea is, is this is what we're seeing here, is this offer the sacrifice of righteousness. First, what does the word sacrifice mean? You know, okay, then for the Jewish people, that meant, you know, an offering that they took to God or an animal that they took to God, a sacrifice. But really, at, below that means sacrifices, you're doing what? You're having to give up something, aren't you? You're making a sacrifice. And he says that righteousness, righteous living, is going to require sacrifice. That means doing what's right is sometimes hard. Doing what's right is painful. It goes against what comes natural to you. It goes against what the world is telling you to do, right? It's, it's, it, and it's costly sometimes, but do it. And so the third thing is, is do what the Lord says is right, even when it's hard. Maybe especially when it's hard. And when life gets difficult, life gets hard. Do what's right. Because that will free you. I, you know, um, over the years, when I've had to make important decisions that are gonna affect people. And sometimes I really wrestle with that and I need to, and I, I do, I've really grown in that. I do a lot better of trusting God in those things. But I'm concerned, if I have to make a decision and what if I made the wrong decision? What if I didn't communicate the decision right? What if I, all these things I get concerned about, uh, all the ways I can mess it up. But let me tell you this, the times in my life where it wasn't so much about me making a decision, but I knew what was right and I just did it. Freedom. Because no matter how things go then, I don't care. That's the wrong word. I mean, I'm not going to let it take over my life because I did what was right. You know, uh, 
And uh, Charles Stanley, a great preacher, Andy Stanley's father, uh, retired in 2020 as, as COVID was the, that fall, that first fall. 87 years old, he retires as the pastor. And if you look this up, a statement like what I just put on the screen here, you're going to find a picture of Andy Stanley show up. I mean, Charles Stanley, because he, one of the things he's known for, he says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. And so this is what we're saying. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Live righteously. Do those things that are right, even if it's hard, even if it's costly. And leave the results to God. And what do you know about this God? This God loves you so much that he sent his son to die and pay for your sins. He's a good God, isn't he? He's a loving God. You can do this. All right, so do what the Lord said is right, even if it's hard, and then just leave the results to him. And then finally here, he says, uh, and put your trust in the Lord. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. But trust the Lord with the consequences of following him. Kind of got ahead of myself there, all right? But if you can learn to live this way, follow God, not your feelings. You're going to have feelings, but not going to sin because you're going to follow God in them. And every day you're going to connect with God at some point and quiet yourself before him, rest in him, relax with him. And then what's right in this situation? What's right? I don't necessarily always know everything, but I know this is right. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to trust God with the consequences. Man, this will change your life. If any of these things are out of alignment for you and you begin to bring in alignment, it will change your experience of life. Can I say it again? It will change your experience of life. And when you're navigating difficulties, this will keep you free. Rather than being owned and run over by your difficulties, it will set you free from that. And then verse number seven, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. What's he talking about here? Okay, he, God put gladness in my heart. And he says he's talking about the other people, maybe who stand opposition. And when their harvest comes in and they get the, the check for it, right? And they have a great harvest or their, their business prospers and, and they get happy. Anybody here get happy if, if, if you went to work and you, they gave you, you know what, you've been such a good employee, we're giving you a bonus check. Would that make you happy? Yeah, there's lots of things that make us happy. And this is what he's saying. So these folks, he says, when they got happy, they were happy because they had a great harvest or their business is done well. They're really happy. He says, God has given me greater gladness in my heart than even that. Why? Well, because guess what? Next week they lay you off. <laughs> right? Next quarter the business does not do well. At the end of the year, the harvest does not come in. I mean, it's fleeting, isn't it? Happiness that's based on the circumstances of life. And so this is the point here. Remember that the joy God gives is not dependent on life circumstances. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Eduardo. The joy that God gives is not dependent on life circumstances. And that's the contrast here. Happiness because of life circumstances or this deeper happiness, this gladness. And, and how, where, how does it come? What's it say? You, God, have put gladness in my heart. It's not dependent on life circumstances, is it? It's not. 
It's dependent on this relationship with God that you're cultivating. And he puts gladness in your heart. There's got to be a sermon illustration in there somewhere. All right. So joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is what God gives. And, and so you're, the, the reality is what happens is your emotional well-being is no longer controlled by the circumstances of life. And let me say to you that um, there are a lot of people who struggle with mental health issues. There are real things in their lives. Sometimes that stuff is, you know, a physical problem, a chemical problem. Sometimes that is. But there's a lot of mess that goes on with the mental health that is because people are looking for the solution in their circumstances in life. And when that happens, man, you are on the roller coaster ride. But when you begin to get joy from the Lord that he puts in your heart, and you're no longer controlled by all of this going on in your life, what you'll find is that your mental health will also improve, okay? I'm not saying it's the only factor, but it's a big factor for a lot of people, okay? All right, so then finally, verse eight, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So we're, we're going through this, we're going to God first, right? We're believing he cares and so we, we, we bring our concerns to him. We're learning to live in a way that it brings God's blessing in our lives but also makes us confident in our relationship with the Lord and then we, we get to the point where, you know, our, our joy, our, our well-being is not determined by the circumstances of life, but by our relationship with the Lord. And then finally this, you can come to the end of the day then and do what? You can go to sleep. You can go to sleep. Make a habit of reconnecting with God every night before you go to sleep. Why? Verse 8, the second half, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Bottom line, ultimately, Lord, I'm dependent on you for everything. And you never fail. You always get it right. I often fail and I don't get it right, right? But not him. And because I, I cultivated this relationship, I can remember when it comes time to go to bed that God, I'm safe with you. Uh, one of the other Psalms, I can't remember which one it is now, but talks about how God gives his beloved sleep. And the idea is this, that when we trust in God, we can sleep. That's good, not asking anybody to raise your hand, but have you ever had one of those nights when you couldn't sleep because everything is in turmoil? And that's natural, it happens to us, but if that's the way our life is going all the time, we're going to be in a world of hurt. We need to cultivate this habit. And it doesn't have to be a long deal. And, and I don't know about you, sometimes I'm, I find that my head hits the pillow. I'm like, gone. Coherent thoughts? No. But at some point there, even as I get ready to lay down or whatever, hey, Lord, here I am. Thank you that you're there. Lots of stuff I don't understand, Lord, but I know you're working. I know you're good. You're the one who protects me and takes care of me. Now help me to go to sleep. Do you see if you every day you would stop and do that, how that would change? You know, not only would it change how you sleep, 
you'll already be a step ahead when you wake up in the morning. So, navigating the difficulties of life starts with knowing Christ as Savior. I talked about that early on. If you don't understand that, please talk to me. I'd love to help you understand how to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're watching and that's your situation. Reach out. We'd love to, to talk to you about that. Aren't the Psalms good? Oh, they're so rich, so full. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you show us how we can navigate these difficulties that are seemingly always present in life, Lord. And I pray you'd help us to take to heart the things that you have spoken to us here today, personally, as well as what we've seen clearly from your word. And Lord, that it would affect our lives, either reinforce what we already know and are doing, or Lord, bring us to new places with you and how we live. Help, help all of us, Lord. Help me and help every person here and those watching or listening to, to lean into you in a new way that can change everything. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week.